63, I want to talk to you today about when I long for God. Follow me as I read Psalm 63. It is a psalm of David. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that this passage today would speak to our hearts. Lord, there are many who are here who need to hear just a word of hope from you. And I pray that you would give us that hope today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about the seasons in life when you feel like God is a million miles away. Now you know He's there somewhere in the heavens, but it feels like He's a million miles away. Right now He seems so far from you. And you long for His presence, just His nearness. Perhaps it comes when you've been serving God and giving yourself away, and one day you wake up and realize that you have been doing more and enjoying it less. And then you hit the wall. A disaster happens. And you feel all alone. And you ask, where are you, God? Well, it must have been a similar situation that caused David to write this psalm before us today. The inscription that is over this psalm tells us that David wrote it when he was in the wilderness of Judah. It appears that this psalm is written during the events that are recorded over in 2 Samuel chapters 15-17. through 17. David, who is Israel's king, has become aware of the plot of his own son Absalom to take over the throne of Israel. Absalom's scheme appears to be working, and so David fears for his life. He gathers his family and those people who are closest and most loyal to him, and they leave Jerusalem, trekking down into the Kidron Valley on the east, up to the Mount of Olives. The priests have brought the Ark of the Covenant with them. It is the visible representation of the glory and the presence of God. But David stops and sends them back into the city with the ark. I know it must have saddened the king to watch the ark of God disappear from his sights. Then David turns and leads his followers into the Judean desert. And there he stops for a while. 
By now the king and his people are exhausted. In fact, in 2 Samuel 17, 2, it tells us that David is weary and weak. It is a very disgraceful thing that has happened. His own son is leading a revolt that forces David to flee. He has been ran out of his palace, out of his city, and out of the sanctuary where he worships his God. He is in a desert wilderness, and his own soul feels like a dry and weary land where there is no water. And David is longing for God. David must have been filled with all kinds of self-doubts. Where did he go wrong? His family was a complete mess. He's devastated. He's embarrassed. Is there any way he can sort this mess out? Can he find peace and satisfaction in the midst of the chaos that he's in? It's at this point that David probably composes this psalm. And it's more than just a psalm. It is a song of faith. He's been embarrassed and disgraced. God seems far away and he longs to feel God near him again. But here in the desert, David collects himself and out of this tragedy, his faith begins to sing. There is really a progression at work here in the verses that I want you to dearly see this morning. You and I will be where David is at some time in our own life. If you're not already there, hang on, you will be. David shows us how to work through it. How we can worship through the spiritually dry times in our life. So are you ready, church? Let's get to it this morning. It all begins, number one, with a thirsting for God. Out there in the wilderness, David's broken heart cracks open and pours out a desperate cry. We read it in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In the desert, there are no distractions. Kind of reminds me of back home in West Texas. No distractions. David is left alone by himself. It's just him and God. So David turns to God. He says, Elohim, you are my God, mighty one. You are the one true God. And then he says, early will I seek you. Now notice he doesn't say, early will I seek a way out of this mess. Notice he doesn't say, early will I seek to get my throne back and put my son in his place. No. No, a thousand times no. David is not seeking a blessing from God. David is seeking God. In church, there's a world of difference between those two. So many times we just seek stuff from God. We seek a blessing from God. And God is saying, why don't you just seek me? That's what David was doing. In fact, he goes on to describe it in verse 1. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. 
In other words, David longs for God with his whole being. You know, it's pretty easy for us to recognize when our body is longing for something. I'm longing for a drink of this right now. Huh? My body tells me when I'm hungry and I long for food. I'm getting pretty close to that right now. When I'm tired, my body tells me that I'm tired. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because your body tells you the same things. But do you recognize when your soul is thirsty? One of the most important things in life is to be able to recognize what is happening in our soul. To be so in tune and in touch with God to realize our soul is thirsty. Our soul is hungry. And all of this happens in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David looks around. He studies his situation. He's physically hungry. He's physically thirsty. But more importantly, he recognizes that he is thirsty for God. Now, you, you need to understand, David didn't choose the desert. And neither do we. Do we? I mean, David would much rather be in his palace, but he's out in the... He didn't choose the desert. He was chased there. He was driven there. But you know what? God was there. In fact, I found out not only from the Bible, but also from personal experience, God loves the desert. He does some of His most important work in our lives in desert experiences. Moses was on the backside of the desert when he heard the call of God upon his life. The Israelites learned to trust God and to live day by day by faith in their 40 years of wandering in the desert. The location of this episode in David's life was just short distance from where hundreds of years before God met with another one of his men who was running away and fleeing to the desert. His name was Jacob. He was fleeing from his brother Esau. And there, near this place that David was, Jacob wrestled with an angel from the Lord all night. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And there God gave Jacob a new name, the name Israel. It was a real turning point in his life. God loves to meet people in the desert. Because you know what? You're away from the busyness. Everything else doesn't matter. And you finally get to focus on God. Maybe that's where you are today. And you know something is thirsty in your own life. There's a craving there that you haven't been able to identify. Friend, that's your soul. It's craving for God. Then David remembers in verse 2, Lord, I've seen you in the sanctuary and I beheld your power and your glory. It's as if David is saying, yes, I remember, Lord. I, I remember there, there were times in my life when you seemed so very near and so very glorious. I remember, Lord, being in your house, your sanctuary, and I saw you there. 
That is, I was aware of your presence and your power and your glory. Thank God for the times that He is that close and that real to you. Mark it down. Write those times down in your journal. Make a mental image of them because there will be times when He doesn't feel that close. And when the vision of God is not as clear. But you know what? When you are in those desert times, you can draw on the memory of when God was so overwhelmingly present in your life. And this all happened for David back when he was in the sanctuary. Oh, God loves to meet us in the desert, but God also loves to meet us right here in the sanctuary in His house. And folks, listen to me. When you're in the dry places of life, you need to draw on the memory of the times when God has been real to you in worship. And that forces me to stop right here and re-emphasize what we're doing this morning. This is important. Our weekly worship to God is important. You need this time. Now here's what you don't need. You don't need to come wheeling in here at 10.30 on two wheels, hop out of the car, run into the church after having argued with your family all morning. I'm just reminiscing on days back in Midland. I told you about that, didn't I? Gives me a chance to drink some of this glorious water. Don't you wish? We need to make this available for you, don't we? Probably not. Back when I was a kid, me and my dad were always the first two to get ready and We'd go out in the garage and get into the, what was that, a 63 Chevy Impala, beautiful blue car. We'd get in there, and, and Dad would look over at me because the girls, my mom and sister, would still be in there getting ready. He'd look over at me and said, should I do it? And I said, do it, Dad, do it. Honk. Honk. I don't know of anything that irritates women more than men out in the car honking for them, right? Right, ladies? Well, that would just start the war right there. If the war hadn't already been started, that, that would start it right there. And man, the fight was on. Well, here's what you don't need. You don't need to come in here like that. You don't need to sit there and kind of halfway listen to the singing, partially listen to the sermon, then get up and leave and check this off of your to-do list. Because that's not what this is for. It is so imperative, friend, Christian, Brother, sister, that you come into this place and you get out of this experience everything you can. That you soak up God. That you worship God through the singing. That you feel His nearness. That when the preaching is going on, you're in tune not only with the written Word of God, but the Holy Spirit of God. Because you see, He speaks to us as the Word is preached. You need to get close to God. And if you feel the urge during the invitation, you need to come down here and pray and just soak up God. Why do you need that? Because this week, after you leave this place, you're going back out into the enemy's territory. You're going back out to the wilderness. You're going to spend all week in the desert. You're going to need to draw back on the memory of being here today. This right here will help you get through whatever you face this next week. So we are thirsting for God. Where do we go from there? Well, the second step is treasuring God. 
not only thirsting for God, but that thirsting for God must drive us to dig deep and remember why we need God to begin with. He tells us in verse 3, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Your loving kindness, that is the steadfast love of the Lord. It's the unfailing love of God. And this is the most important thing in life to us. What this means is that you want God more than anything else in life. And the experience of His love that sustains us. Now, there are things that we think are the most important things in life. Like good health and good food and good income and a good job and good friends and good times and good stuff. We all like that good stuff, don't we? You know what, really? God is good to give us good things. Amen? But what happens when any of that or all of that just disappears? That's where David was. He, he came to this place in his life where food didn't matter. And family? Well, his family was a big mess. And his job? Uh, that was gone. But he knew what really sustained him. And that was the steadfast love of God. Verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. You see, thirsting gives way to treasuring. That is, worshiping God. That's what we are to do when God seems so far too away from us. We should worship, even when we don't feel like it. That's the most important thing to do is worship God. If you don't feel like worshiping, that means you need to worship. Because that ushers us back into the presence of God. And that's what we need. And as he worships, his faith begins to emerge even stronger. Verse 5, My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Dear Christian, when you've reached a, a, a place in your life when your walk with God is more important than anything else, when, when you treasure the pleasures of, of worshiping God more than any of the pleasures or the treasures that this world can give, you've reached a place in your walk with Christ. That's where we all need to be. We move from thirsting for God to treasuring God and worshiping Him. Then we go to the next step. It's trusting God. David clings to God in verse 6. On my bed I remember you. I, I think of you through the watches of the night. Now David was going through a really tough time. And, and I can only imagine he was having a little bit of trouble sleeping. <laughs> in Old Testament times the night was divided into watches. And he talks about that in verse 6. The watches of the night. They, they were like the, the chiming of a clock every hour reminding David that he's still awake. Have you noticed how everything seems worse at night? Pain is worse at night. Whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. Everything seems worse at night, doesn't it? You can't sleep because you're worried about something or something seems overwhelming. 
Well, let me tell you, friend, when worries and fears are keeping you awake at night, try this. Start thinking about God and all of the things that are true about God. Sing songs that help you remember God. That's what David did. Verse 7, because you are my help, I sing. I rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I wonder what that means, in the shadow of your wings. Well, remember, remember his worshiping in the temple. That's where David was so close to God in the temple. He remembered that in this psalm. But also remember as David left Jerusalem fleeing from Absalom, the priests were following them with the Ark of the Covenant. And David sent them back to Jerusalem with the Ark. And I know it, it saddened him as he watched the Ark go back to the holy city. Because on the top of the Ark were the cherubim. Those were the angels with outstretched wings over what was called the mercy seat. What a powerful reminder of the grace and the mercy of God. And David is saying, Lord, it is under the shadow of your wings where I want to be, trusting you. David is taking his place there. He's, he's trusting God under the shadow of God's wings. He knows everything is going to be okay under the shadow of God's wings. Verse 8, he says, My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. Faith is clinging to what we know is true about God. That's what faith is. Faith is clinging to what we know is true about God. And it's not just with your head. It's also with your heart. He said, my soul clings to you. And as a result of that, God is going to uphold you with His right hand. So there's thirsting for God. That gives way to treasuring God. That gives way to trusting in God. And that gives way to number four, thriving in God. Remember what David said earlier in verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing, my lips, my mouth will give you praise. With singing lips, my mouth will give you praise. I like what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity. God designed the human machine to run on Himself. He Himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy on our own without bothering Him about a relationship. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from Himself, because there is none. There is no such thing. You know what? We can trust God to take care of everything in our life, even our enemies or the circumstances that have pushed us or chased us out into the wilderness. Verse 9, They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. Verse 10, they will be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. In other words, David is saying, God's going to fight my battles. He can handle it. 
I'll trust him. Verse 11, but the king will rejoice in God. That was David. He's saying that about himself. The king, David, will rejoice in God. I can say that about myself. You know what? Will Harmon chooses to rejoice in the Lord. One of my heroes in the faith is Hudson Taylor. He was the founder of the China Inland Mission in the 1800s. As he arrived on the field in China, Hudson Taylor was met with one devastating experience after another. One of those came when his wife, who had just given birth to their son, contracted cholera. She was so sick that she could not nurse her newborn son. And after a week, the baby died. Mothers, imagine how she felt knowing that her son died because she couldn't nurse him. Both were devastated. Miss Taylor grew weaker and weaker. And within a few weeks, Hudson Taylor had to bury not just his son, but also his wife. These two deaths left him devastated. And soon after that, Hudson Taylor himself became sick and was confined to his own room and his own bed. After recovering, this is what he had written. How lonesome were the weary hours confined to my room. How I miss my dear wife and my new baby. Then I understood why the Lord had made that passage so real to me when He said, Whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst again. Twenty times a day, as I felt the heart thirsting come back, I cried to him, Lord, you promised. God, you promised me that I should never thirst. And whenever I called by day or by night, how quickly he came and satisfied my sorrowing heart. There's a soul thirsting for God. And there is a soul thriving. I don't know what your desert is, but some of you are there today. If not, you're going to be. When it seems that God is a million miles away, Friend, I want to tell you, He's not. He's not. And you're not alone. Because He loves you. And right now, He's reaching out to you. He's wanting to help. Will you respond to Him? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. And I invite you this morning to come to Jesus. If you're here today and you've never been saved, if, you, if you're not if you're not a hundred percent sure that you're going to heaven, that your name is written in God's book, the Lamb's book of life, would you come this morning and let us show you how you know you can be saved and have a relationship with Jesus? If you're here today and you're a Christian, but you know you're away from God, things are not where they need to be. You know that. I invite you to come and get things right with Him. Then for the rest of us, 
these altars are open for, for you to come today and pray and just get close to Him. And I encourage you to do it. Friend, you need to come today and get as close to Jesus at these altars as you possibly can because you're going to leave this sanctuary and you're about to go back out into the world. You're going to need this. So come, get close to Him right now. Lord, I pray for my friends who need to respond, those who need to come and just pray. Lord, make it easy for them. Lord, I, I lift up Susie Spivey to you, and I pray that you would strengthen her today. Let her know that we're praying for her. Lord, I lift up Zach and J.K. Lord, please be with, with them in, in a very special way. Let them know that their church family and their physical family is back home praying for them. Lord, I'm praying for my friends out in this room who need to come and just get close to you. Let them feel your presence during this altar call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? These guys are going to sing. Would you